All right, everybody. Exciting announcement. Years ago, I interviewed a gentleman named Joseph Sheehy, and he started a company called Cured Nutrition, who we have partnered with. We partnered with them because I love him, I love his mission, and I love what Cured has created. So Cured has products that have been designed with the intention to support all aspects of the daily human experience, whether you are looking for clean natural energy, relief from your everyday discomforts or anxieties, or a reset button for your deep night's sleep, which on that note is one of my favorite products. They have a sleep bundle that I really, really love. Uh, They have nightcaps and Zen, which are great, great, great for sleep. So they have a bunch of different products. They have functional mushrooms, CBD products. Most of their products are CBD based. They have gut health products. They have some really, really incredible stuff. So head on over to curednutrition.com forward slash Mantox and you'll get 20% off all of their products. Again, it's curednutrition.com forward slash Mantox. And please go check them out. It goes a long way in supporting the show. We have been very, very intentional. I've been running this podcast for eight years, and we've been very intentional about who and when we bring on partners. And so if you've been tuning into the show for a brief amount of time or a long time, please go check them out. Again, cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com forward slash Mantox. All right, here we are, my anonymous guest. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. A familiar face, <laughs> for me at least. <laughs> Probably not for people listening. They can't well, see Well, there's you. no face. <laughs> yeah. And there's no face, right? There's no face. I think my team might even distort your voice a little bit. I'm not sure. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think sense. we do that anymore. We, we did that in some of the first episodes, and I was like, that's almost inaudible. Like, it's almost impossible to tell what the heck they're saying. It sounds like a... Remember those uh, those like crime mo- you know um, yeah. movies or TV shows where they they'd show somebody also like blacked out you know or behind some screen or they had like a really deep like distorted voice you know that's what I was thinking I'm now now a crime kingpin <laughs> so. right. it's funny I'm as we're talking I am watching a family of turkeys uh, come through my backyard and right past the window of my office, which is interesting. I don't think I've seen the family back here before. Anyway, let's dive into it. What were you hoping to work on, to address, to resolve in our conversation today? There's a, there's a gnawing need for validation and acceptance from people that don't mean shit to me a lot of the time. Sure, nobody else in existence feels that way, but go on. <laughs> Fair point. And it's uh, something that doesn't serve me very well a lot mm. of the times. Meaning what? What does that look like? Like I can get myself caught up in loops. Like if, if I'm rejected by someone or something or an opportunity is missed or a mistake's made on my part or something, it really eats me alive for a time period that should, should it shouldn't for a long time. And I'll go around in circles and intellectually I'll be able to say that it doesn't matter and all these things are fine and I can, you know, move forward or whatever. But like emotionally and at the core, it's just, it begins to color my decision making and I begin to do things and go down paths that maybe I wouldn't go down if I didn't have this. Mm, Okay. So... So you're seeking a good amount of validation from people that you don't necessarily need it or even perceptually think that you care about that validation. 
and then it's occupying a lot of space mentally and emotionally. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, sometimes there are important situations and considerations, but that really, yeah, the rejection really gets me. Yeah, like it really hits me. Okay. And sometimes also, you know, at the expense of the validation and acceptance of the people that are close to me that are actually worth <laughs> focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So a little bit of a pattern there, not accepting the validation from the people that matter and then seeking the validation from people who perceptually are, are outside of your your real sort of circle of trust and influence and love and care. Say what is so disruptive or disturbing for you about the rejection, about when you get rejected. It's, if I can, if I can explain it in words, it would probably be something like somebody knowing what I bring to the table or what I bring to the relationship or the engagement and then choosing to reject that. Okay. And so say what, say what's hurtful about that. Say what's painful. That I'm not good enough. Do you have any notion of what that feels familiar to or where that has roots or or originated? Maybe I'll ask it a different way. Who did you not feel good enough for growing up? It's definitely something that I've identified as a pattern with my dad, for sure. Just very high expectations of what needs to be, what, what, what a person should be like. And, you know, academically, there was a standard. Emotionally, there was not much in the way of nurturing to work through to get to that standard in kind of a healthy way. Okay. And, yeah, it, uh, I would feel like I would need to do things a certain way. Like I got a whole degree. <laughs> That's a common <laughs> sentence that I'm sure you've heard before because I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. So I just went down a default path. And Something that you thought that he would approve of? I knew he would. It's the same career that he did. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and look at the, you know, now I've kind of begun to shake that a bit on the career side, but the emotional and the relationship's different now, but the remo- the emotional lack is just deep. Mm, okay. So maybe just take a moment and just take a nice deep breath into that so because you're kind of pointing to your chest and saying that the emotional disconnect from dad is is deep so it seems like you have a good sense of where you carry that within yourself is that true yeah i mean i can feel it so breathe into where you feel it and just stay with it for a second and go ahead it comes out as an anxiety feeling like a gut anxiety feeling and that's a feeling that i feel most of the day (laughs) most Mm -hmm. of the time and then i use humor to i laugh try and laugh it away that's kind of my response Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the most inappropriate times got it all right so you deflect away from the heaviness of it or the pain of it yeah like i i just make jokes and laugh Mm -hmm. about it's a good coping mechanism right? It's a good way to deal with and let out some of the physical and somatic steam of carrying around such a deep pain, right? It sounds like you learned from a young age to deal with this hurt and this disconnect from dad in 
in ways that maybe served you, you know, maybe didn't, but at least on some level helped you to cope with not really feeling accepted by him or yeah. not really feeling chosen by him. Well, it's funny you say that it, because there was a definite piece to that where my parents got divorced and I didn't hear from dad for a number of years. And he met a new partner and they had their whole thing and we were kind of like shut out for mm. a good few years. How old were you? I mean, like nine. I think it's a bit more complex. There's a few complexities that I haven't really dove into. Like what do you mean? Like partially mum possibly making it a lot harder for dad to actually get in touch with me. You know, family court case kind of scenario. Yeah, complexity is that, you know, you hear one story from one side of one partner who's in pain and then <laughs> it skews the whole thing in one direction. What side of the story did you hear most about? Well, I heard mum's side about how dad's moved on to his new life with his new wife and doesn't want to see you and doesn't care and then kind of making me want to reject him if he were to reach out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then he did reach out. Maybe like a few, I could, couldn't place the timeline exactly, but I remember getting a random fax <laughs> from him. <laughs> and I, even at age nine or whatever, I was 10 at that point, maybe 11. I, I remember that being a very strange way to interact. And it's played on my mind for a number of years. Mm. And I haven't, and very recently, actually, after doing a Vipassana and sitting with it, I was like, should we talk to dad about that? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, we, we spoke briefly on it and he said he didn't really give me too much, but he, he alluded to the fact that like he couldn't get in touch with me. And that was the only way that he could. But still, you know, after that, that's one part of that rejection and that lack. And the second part is, you know, when, then I moved in with him and I live with him and, there's like a high standard of academic expectation and many, many times feeling like an idiot if I were to ask certain questions, if I were to like ask for help, if I were to, you know, just show any lack of intellect, potential, you know, potential lack of intellect, still probably there. I mean, I feel like, again, intellectually, I know what to say. I know what I should be saying. I know what I should be doing. I know how to word it to people at an advice level, but like deep down it doesn't stick. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So another breath, take another breath. Just deep inhale, extend the exhale. And then just say what's happening inside of you as you're describing all this. What's going on? Um, my stomach. The pit of my stomach's in knots like it. Kind of like a stabbing pain. Bit of a lump in my throat. So breathe in. Take another breath into the both of those parts. Just stay with them for a moment. And I just want you to stay there. I know it's probably uncomfortable. Just make a statement about what it's like to be in contact with these two parts. What's it like? Just say what it's like. Describe what it's like to feel your stomach in knots and... Feel the lump in your throat. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> it's just stressful. It's a lot. It's unrelenting. 
Mm -hmm. So this is the current, this is the state that you're normally feeling underneath the humor and the laughter and the deflection and all those other things. Yeah. Yeah. Anxiety. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So breathe into them again and just stay with them. And I got you no matter what comes up or what you need to say or what we explore. Nothing that's too much for me to handle which maybe feels a little foreign for you. So it sounds like there was a whole bunch that dad didn't know how to handle with you and that you didn't feel comfortable expressing to him. So it just happened. It went to, went to mom as well. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Like mm-hmm. neither were a solid base in any form for their own various reasons. Like they're both. And you know, like I know they tried, they all tried their best. They're all the same flawed humans that we are. And like I have accepted that and I, I love them both for who they are, just for being them and it's okay. But it's very hard to shake the feeling of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Well, say what you felt disappointed by, specifically with dad. I think I was disappointed like by being abandoned, really. Like it mm-hmm. feels like I was abandoned. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Stay there. Yeah, just stay there for a moment. Breathe breathe into that. Have you ever said that out loud? I have, yeah. I I do know this. Like I've got, there's a lot of threads. Like I've put a lot of work into a lot of this. And there's a lot of threads that I know, but there's not many threads that have really just like dissolved. Mm -hmm. I I can see the map. I I can see it all. But it's like I haven't been able to start (laughs) cutting away. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Have you ever let yourself be angry at your father? Not at him, no. I tend not to. Have you ever, you ever expressed that you've been angry at him? I don't know if it's anger. I'm not angry. I'm just sad. Hmm. How come? I don't know. It's just not how I. I don't really get angry. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's the only times I get angry is when I'm losing at competitive sports. <laughs> That's the only time it comes out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which it's funny. I've never thought of it that way. It's like the competitive streak, a sense of losing to something, a sense of being a failure makes me angry. When I... mm-hmm. Well, it's an outlet. It's an outlet for you to try and prove that you are worthy and have value, right? Which is in some ways, just a reflection of what you've been trying to do with dad and in your life, right? Just maybe if I have enough value, maybe if I can prove that I have worth, then he'll see it and then he'll choose me. Yeah. Our relationship isn't even like that now, you know, like it's, it's the whole thing has shifted, but it's mm-hmm. just the emotion from the past is just still makes me feel that way like yeah do you mind if i say a couple of things so you know i've seen this pattern in hundreds and maybe thousands of men myself my own life and there's a couple of things that i think are very important right one you know you're aware that you experienced some type of abandonment in some ways, a pretty intense version of it, right? Not being able to talk to your dad for a few years after a separation is, you know, that's, that's jarring for a child to experience. 
And kids don't, kids take them onto themselves. They're just little bundles of egos. And so somewhere in there was you, like I kind of get this picture and you tell me if this, just tell me if this feels like anything. It doesn't have to be right or true. I just want you to know, I just want you to see if you can feel what I'm about to say. I kind of get this picture of you after your parents separated at home and in some ways trying to do two things. One was figure out what was wrong with you that he didn't stay around or wasn't in contact with you. And then two, what you could do to regain his attention in some capacity to regain like maybe if I perform or I do well enough, or maybe he'll come back in, you know, how do I fix this? I would say the first one, yeah. But the second one, no. I didn't mm. think there was anything at the time, if we're going back to the year, like when I was really young. I mean, the core of it was chaos. I was, you know, <clears throat> with my mom and she was depressed. So that led me to be super independent because she would barely get out of bed. So you lost both your parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't feel safe with mom and I didn't have any contact with dad. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, mom flies off the handle very easily. So, and I, I don't like that that way of approaching and dad's very, not deflective, but there's another word. Just doesn't engage in anything. Like he'll just, so they're both two extremes. And I tend to lean towards the bottle it up and just take it, mm-hmm. take another punch, mm-hmm. then fly off the handle unless I'm yeah. playing sport. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you don't let yourself get angry, right? So that's the one piece and we can return to that in a, in a moment if we need. I think the other big piece that is important is giving yourself permission to be angry with him. And you've talked a lot about the sadness and the disappointment, and that's that's all fine. But carrying that around, one of the reasons why you haven't been able to cut these threads as you were talking about to, to sort of, you're like, I can see the map, I can see the whole thing. It's like, well, yeah, you can see all the grief, you can see the sadness, you can see the disappointment, but there's been no movement of expression. There's been no like, hey, that sucked. I hated that. That was brutal. You know, when you left and I was alone with mom, that was terrible. And I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying it's entirely your fault. I'm saying that for me, that was the darkest period of my life. Second darkest. (laughs) Okay. Second darkest. We can talk about the other one at some point. But you know, being able to express that requires a little bit of anger. And, you know, there's a quote by David White, who's a wonderful poet, and you can go and read the whole thing for yourself, but it essentially says anger is the ultimate form of protection. And so by not allowing yourself to get angry and express some anger towards him, you are not protecting that boy. And that boy is still having to carry the shame of what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Like, what did I do that he left? Or what was wrong with me that he wouldn't stay or didn't figure it out or didn't get into contact or whatever it was that that young boy was trying to play through his head? 
you know, I, I have a two and a half year old. I see the depth of love and affection that he has for me. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. You know, it's like a golden retriever puppy. It's just like, they love you for no good reason. <laughs> and I can see that you have a depth of love for your father that was very deep and very profound. Is that right? Yeah. So just say what say what's happening inside of you as I'm saying some of this stuff. I want to cry. Okay. Take a breath, breathe into it, and let it be there. You don't have to move away from it. You don't need to fight it. Just say what makes you want to cry. I want to cry because. I mean, because it all is ringing. It's ringing true, and I don't have a pathway to deal with it. What do you mean? Well, in my head, I think to myself like, these things should. I should be able to not feel like I want to cry. Like I, mm. if I don't, if I feel like I want to cry, there's clearly something here that I haven't figured out or worked through or accepted or resolved. So, well, you're still protecting him over you. That's all. You're still prioritizing his feelings above yours. There's a confrontation that it's asking from you, right? The confrontation is to be able to confront him and say that fucking sucked. That was terrible. And I know it's not entirely your fault, but I've been blaming myself and that's not okay. So take a breath. You just stop breathing the last 30, 60 seconds. <laughs> just stop breathing almost entirely. Just little tiny sips of air. So take a nice deep inhale and exhale. Yeah. See, I could be angry at your father and for good reason, but that doesn't make a difference. Your mom can be angry at your father and that won't make a difference. Or she still is. Yeah, of course. It sounds like she's holding on to it. Right? There's a separate conversation about mom that I'm just putting to the side. <laughs> right? I'm putting to the side. And I'm, I'm putting it to the side because maybe I'll just be very direct with you. I'm putting it to the side because a part of your power and your potency as a man is locked up with him. He's got the keys to it. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? There's a great saying that every son has the right to oppose his father. Every son has the right at some point in his life to oppose his father, to stand up against him, to confront him, and to say, I don't want to live life like you did, or I don't like that you raised me this way, or I really couldn't stand when you did X, Y, and Z or said X, Y, and Z, or the way you treated me for those however many years was terrible. That was brutal. And in doing so, we unlock some of our own potency. And we unlock that because until we do that, we're, we're in this very boy relationship. Let me just ask you a very direct question. How old do you feel talking about you and your dad? Just while we've been talking, mm -hmm. eight years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah, years and if old. you're honest, how old do you normally feel when you're interacting with him? Well, this is where it gets interesting because for the longest time, you know, I had him on this pedestal of the standard to be set. And as I've gotten older and as he has gotten older, I've really begun to see the cracks form around that. Mm -hmm. Like... Yeah, he got sick, he had a stroke. And this like model of standards that I'd set was falling apart, you know, and then 
as I'm developing my relationships and the way the way I interact with the world and the decisions I'm making for career and financially and with what I want to do, I'm realizing that like maybe you didn't have it figured out or didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Maybe. I don't know if that changes or answers my question though. <laughs> <laughs> like I hear I hear what you're saying. You can see the cracks in, in the armor and you can see the cracks in the image of what you carried with him. But here's my here's my guess. Okay. Do you know what projection is? I think so, yeah. Projection is when we project a part of ourselves out onto somebody else. So if you've ever been in a relationship where your partner's like, like, why are you so angry? You know, and the response is, I'm not angry, you're angry. Right. <laughs> so we project how we feel out onto somebody else. And that projection can be very simple, like what I just described, or it can be a little bit more complex. And my guess, intuitively, what I sense is that in some ways, you've projected that need and want and desire of validation from dad out into the world, out into this broader capacity, whether it's your industry, the people in the industry, whether it's people in the hometown that you came from, whatever it is, but you've, you've projected this need and this want for acceptance and validation from dad because you've you know kind of stopped trying to get it from that place out onto these other areas and that's why it feels so gnawing and it won't go away and so what i'm saying is part of the cutting of these tethers is being able to confront him and is being able to stand up to him and have and give a voice to that child give a voice to that boy who was lost and who was alone and who was left with his mother, who was depressed and bedridden and volatile and reactive. And to say, how could you do that to me? Not from a place of victimhood, from, but from a place of, I was really hurt and I really needed you. I first thought I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I know you don't. <laughs> I get it. So... Here's what we're going to do. Take a breath, close the eyes, and just make contact internally with that eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy. That boy who had to be independent and was alone and was scared and was blaming himself for what was happening, trying to figure out and make sense of what the hell was just going on, and who really needed somebody to give him direction, to reassure him that he was going to be okay, that he was safe, that his world was going to be okay, and that he was going to be okay. So once you feel connected to him, just make a statement about what you're experiencing. I just, I'm sorry. That's what I feel. I still haven't, like I still don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. You're safe right now with me. So just take another breath into that and just see if you can feel a little bit of that, feel my presence and feel connected to me. And then just say what you are sorry for to that boy and just speak to him directly. I don't know what I'm sorry for. I just, it's just a feeling of sorrow. Like I don't, I don't know what I could be sorry for mm. as an eight year old boy, just thrust into that situation. Mm-hmm. What would he say back to you? He was a part of this conversation. 
probably on the sea, probably say it's going to be okay. That was like, through all the like, the pain and difficulty, there was moments of just like deep wisdom that came from that kid. Helps like guide mum through challenges and talk to his sister, trying to make it, make it all work. Yes, he was very strong. What do you want to tell him about how he went through that period of time? It turned great. Let that come. Just let that sink in. And one more time. Just tell him one more time. Because he's needed to hear that. You're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. You are a really, really phenomenal son. You're a really good kid. And just say what's happening inside. I felt really sad and um, a bit of a lightness. Like um, the knot kind of went away for a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a moment in time. I was with a friend and we were walking in a schoolyard, primary school, elementary school. <laughs> and um, I just remember talking to him saying, you know, I was not depressed, but like joked about suicide or something along those lines. It's an interesting thing for an 11-year-old kid to say. And I'm just picturing that kid in that schoolyard, the fences and basketball courts and stuff. And he's just there alone. See if you can just go join him. Yeah, see what happened. It's the same kid today. <laughs> still mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Like, just wandering kind of alone in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's still carrying a lot of responsibility. So what do you, as the adult, as the man, want to say to him? What do you want him to know? He's a good kid. He means well. Mm-hmm. So tell him that directly. You're a good kid, and thank you for... Thank you for... <laughs> thank you for trying your best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thanks for doing your best, and thank you for carrying so much responsibility. That's a lot for a young boy to have to endure and figure out. That's a lot. And my guess, you just see what he has to say to this. <laughs> My guess is that he still feels very responsible for your life. How does that even play out? We'll just see what he says. How does he respond to that? What would he say? How does he feel? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. So one more breath. And we're just going to wrap up here in a second, but I just want you to take a moment and see what he has to say to you, if anything. What he needs from you, what he wants to say to you, I want to say it's okay to let people in. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but I already know that, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just shift one thing. So stay on the basketball court with him. See the fences. See him. You're close to him. And I just want you to visualize Dad on the courts with the two of you. And just say what that's like. It made me feel sad because... Basketball was a big part of my life, and there was, I don't remember a time where that was something we did together. It's not something that I would do, but something that I would make an effort for with my kids, and I feel that down. Good. So take a breath. And we're just going to do one last thing, which is I want you, you as the man, to just put your hand on that boy's shoulder so that he knows that you're there, he feels safe and protected. And then tell your dad that. 
I feel let down by you because. I feel let down by you. Because the real man's there for his family. Doesn't run away. Figures it out. You're, you're awake. And left me to pick up the pieces. Mm. Which I've never fully done. Well, and you, you couldn't do entirely. It wasn't your respon- it wasn't the boy's responsibility to try and fix the family. But you did a good job. So one more breath. And just keep breathing and just say what it was like to go through this little experience. Just make a statement about your experience. This one that we just went through. Um, confronting, but also slightly freeing. Yeah, say what's freeing about it. Well, I might let something go. I don't know. Mm. So take your time, take a breath, come back in to the room, to the call. To the millions of people listening. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, man. That was a lot. Good morning. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right? Yeah, good morning, yeah. Yeah, happy Tuesday. <laughs> good, good way to start your Tuesday. Go to the gym, lift some weights, yeah. lift some emotional weights, cry a whole bunch. Yeah. So good work. Really good work. I would like for you to return and do round two if you're open for it. I think there's more to be done on that front. In the meantime, I would like for you to write a little bit. And I want you to do two things. The first thing I want you to do is write and describe everything that you saw in that vision of that boy alone on the basketball court, fences, you know, the environment that he was in. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, I want you to continue the conversation that I was leading you down. So hand on the shoulder of that boy and speaking on his behalf as the man that you now are to your dad about what that boy needed and what that boy experienced and the impact, and this is the real big one, the impact that your father's leaving had on that boy. Because it's one thing to say, I get it and I understand and we're all human and that's all fine and good but it doesn't change the impact that it had. And until we actually are honest about the impact that someone's choices and decisions and behaviors have had on us, it's very hard to really forgive them and really move forward because we haven't come to grips and come to terms with the truth of what we felt. So, and then bonus points for doing a little bit of writing around if if you were a father, what do you think that boy would need? Or what did he need? Okay. So we can talk a little bit more offline, but I think we'll pause there for right now and we'll reconvene in maybe a month or two. We'll have round two if you're up for it, but stay in touch. Really, really good work today. And um, as always, until next week, it's Connor Beaton signing off.